All right. Goodness gracious. What's going on, guys? Let me get everything rocking and rolling with this deal. So it is time for another Friday Night Live. Today's a pretty cool one. I got a little, I'm trying a little something new like I did last week with uh, with Alex Rudd or two weeks ago. Trying this new uh, this new software that we have and this new website and uh, and really going to dig into some some uh, let me turn back to the comments. Really going to dig into to, um, to some details about how to read lake maps, not how to read lake maps, but where bass go in the, on a lake uh, during the wintertime. I'm going to share my screen with you. I'm going to do a bunch of really cool things, but let's people let's allow time for people to jump on and uh, we'll get rocking and rolling. Let's see if uh, YouTube sent out the notifications. Give me just a second. Got to make sure of that. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. I got so much stuff running on my laptop right now. I didn't want to do it. Let's see. Come on. All right, we're getting there. Good, they sent them out. All right, so we'll just give it a little bit for people to jump in. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited, man. This is something brand new. I hope it all goes well. I've been practicing and trying to get everything rock, everything set squared away. So, um, and then we'll get to a Q and A after. Actually, we'll do Q and A during the same thing. But that's kind of what I want to do from not from here on out, but you know, most of the time for my Friday Night Lives is I want to do kind of a really serious, down and dirty teaching session. Uh, pick a topic and then go from there. And the topic today is where to bass go in the wintertime. And so I'm going to, I'm going to use um, a website called Navionics Chart Viewer. And uh, we're going to look at some, uh, some, um, some lake maps and we're going to go over and I'm going to kind of go over some of the places that I know bass will hide and, and, and get to when the water gets really, really cold. So, um, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious guy had his uh had his the stream pulled up and and uh forgot that he did that's awesome uh uh two true dip reviewer says i learned to use a baitcaster from you you're the goat <laughs> when uh when it comes to fishing my other favorite is uh bill dance that's awesome man i appreciate it so all right let's see all right a few things um that are uh that are i'm excited about so as uh, people could jump on, we have, of course, the new uh, Fluke Master website. I'll show that to you real quick. It's up and running. We've got uh, almost all the gear that I've ordered in. So they're almost all, all on the website. Uh, so if you guys are looking for any kind of Christmas stuff or Black Friday stuff, we are. We will probably run some sales. But here's a uh, Fluke Master. The decals or the, the stickers are here. We got the flashlight. This is pretty cool. I didn't realize they were throwing on this, but but the Fluke Master patch that you can also find on the hats. Um, they're they're both available. We got new hats in different colors and things like that. Um, Twenty five dollars for a hats. But I'm I just I, I'm excited with all the stuff we finally got in. It has been you know a year in the making and it's all rocking and rolling. You see, you got all the different shirts. Here's Fletch with the one that has me with a picture on it. This is a, a three quarter uh sleeve shirt josh wearing my fluke master shirt i've got the black one on right now with this 
we got women's shirts and we got the hoodie is just unreal so there's mikey wearing my hoodie so anyway let's uh let me figure out where i'm at let me get back over here and that's that all right well like to welcome everybody out to friday night live and uh just because i'm getting to know this new software we're going to start off with a really cool intro here it is all right that's pretty cool I'll, I'll work it in a little bit better as i get the bugs worked out of this thing but tonight's subject is on fishing in the winter time and basically where do bass go in the winter what you know we've had the fall it's starting to get really cold it's starting to get really cold really fast where do bass go and uh so that's kind of what the topic is going to be for the first 15 maybe i'll try to cover this in about 15 minutes and then after that, we're going to roll into Q and A's and whatever you guys want to ask after that. But for right now, let's stick, let's stick, try to stick to the topic. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. So Brian Guest has a little has a, a, a question I just saw. He says the temps have had me so confused on uh, Lake Gunnersville fall time lasted about two days, uh, like <laughs> two days, like your website. That's hilarious. Yeah, fall time. Um, yeah, it was a very short fall. It's a very long summer is the reason. The, the summer temperatures lasted forever. Uh, leaves were about three and a half to four weeks late falling and that kind of stuff. But uh, the bass is still going to go as the, as the water temperatures drop and stuff. The bass are going to go into some crazy places. So let's open up the lake map real quick and uh, show you guys what I'm talking about. Okay, so... This is J. Strom Thurman Reservoir, or as we like to call in Georgia, we call it J. Strom Thurman. I mean, we call it Clark Seal. Sorry about that, guys. But it's a 72,000-acre lake. And so how, where do bass go in 70, when it's, you know, 72,000 acres worth of lake? Um, hold on just a second. There we go. Literally... I like to, to break the lake down, and what I'll do is I'll go and I'll find a creek arm, and let's use the one that's the most popular anyway. This is Keg Creek on, uh, on J. Strom Thurman or on Clarks Hill. And a lot of people, when, when you hear those of us who talk about it, we talk about that the bass are moved, they just move deep in the summer, in the wintertime. That isn't 100% true. That's just the easy answer. The, the, the full answer is, uh, some of the first places I look is I look in what we call the ditches or in pockets. So you look at this little section of the lake and it's got, I hope you guys can see the arrow. I tried to blow it up, but for some reason when I do the screen share, it does not work. So I'm trying to get the, the cursor to, uh, so you guys can see the cursor. But you see all these pockets. You got one up here and you got one right here. And you got one right here. So what I'm looking for is I'm looking for deep water that moves into these pockets. This one that I showed showed first is not, it's a real shallow one. And I don't want to really pay, it's like 15 feet right here. But the bass will actually spend most of the winter in these pockets. And they'll be right down the center of the cut. So let me zoom in just a little bit. That's not in. Come on. All right. So they'll be right in the center. Let me just choose this one. They'll be right in the center of this cut. And 99 times out of 100, they've got their belly on the bottom in the coldest of the winter. Uh, other places I look are on steep little banks like this um, or where banks run into each other. And there's, here's a place that I know. I'm going to show you guys a place real quick, one of my secret spots, because I don't fish here anymore. 
And if it's anybody else's secret spot, I'm sorry. But one of my favorite places is literally back in the back of a creek. Okay, so this is the, this is uh, one of the creeks down Keg Creek. And you got a bridge right here, which is a new bridge they just built. And the bass literally will live in this creek channel all winter long, somewhere between here and here. And all you do is you just get something like, what I like is a, a fish head spin or a blade bait or something that I can get down pretty deep. And it's 29, 30, 35 feet deep all along this, this creek arm. But I work that creek arm until I find the depth that the fish are at. And it's, this works with pockets too. Once I get bit once, I, I remember what depth that fish was at and I'll catch another one at that depth and another one and I'll go to another pocket or another creek arm and I'll go to that depth and I'll do the same thing. And it's very patterning. You can easily patterns uh, fish. So that's one of the places. It's one of my secret spots. But anyway, and then all they do when the when the water starts to warm up and it's time to spawn, they move out of that creek channel. They'll congregate right here for about a week, right around that uh that convergence of where the two creeks come together together, and then they'll just push up and spawn right up in here. And they do that all over. They do it over here. They do it at the, you know all up in these creek arms and all. Man, I wish my zoom was a little bit slower with my little mouse pad, but it's not. You know, and they'll pull out any of these pockets, they'll pull out in the ditch. But what I do is I, if, when I have my boat and my fish finder, I pull into a pocket and if there's no bait in the pocket, I don't go there. Okay. So let's, let's, let's stop talking about that for a second. Some of the places I looked, for instance, if you don't have a fish finder, if you're fishing small lakes, ponds, things like that, one of the places I look is I'm going to go look for rock and I'm going to look for wood. And let's talk about rock first. Even if it's a big lake, I'm going to look for rock in the wintertime. I've actually, I remember a time I took and I, I got to the boat ramp and there was about a quarter of an inch of ice at the bottom of the boat ramp and it went out for about 50 feet and I took a big rock and I broke the ice right at the boat ramp and then I backed the trailer down in and laid the boat down and then worked my way out and broke the ice with my boat as I went out and I fished. And where I was catching them was in less than a foot of water on rock that had sun shining on it and on logs that had half of the log out of the water. That, and what happens is the sun shines on that log and it warms up really fast and the bass will get on those logs. And so I just work the bank and look for those logs. So um, let's see. And that happens in shallow lakes, especially if you're fishing small farm ponds and stuff like that. If you have any kind of laydowns where you have wood in the water and, and half of that tree's in the water and half out, the bass are going to be on those on those deals. Another thing is a deep dock and, and Clarksville does not have deep docks, but I'm going to kind of show you kind of what I'm talking about. Let me find a, an ideal spot. So, um, that's a little river. All right. So for instance, you got the river channel that swings right here. Okay. Anywhere that river channel swings real close to the bank. If there's a dock on that spot where the, and where the river swings close to that bank, the bass are going to be on those docks. They want to be able to move up and down in the wintertime. They don't really want to swim too far away from where they're at. Those steeper uh, banks with docks on them are, are ideal. Even if it's floating docks, they'll get, they'll get up underneath them. And those floating docks that have the black floats, they'll warm up when the sun comes out. Um, but that's some of my favorite places. Let me look at my notes real quick so I don't forget anything. Um, all right. So another spot, we're real close to a spot just like it. The 
2007 Bassmasters Classic, um, a lot of the guys were fishing super deep with jigs, and that's how Alton Jones won it. And it was at Lake Hartwell. And uh, this is kind of a similar spot, but uh, the one of the things I do look for is I look for long points that stick out, but the, the creek channel, I don't know if you guys can see my, the channel, the river channel, the creek channel swings up against that point. And anywhere that I can find that, which there'll be a few places where it'll be like that. So like right here, but this is way offshore. I'm talking like a main lake point that, you, that has, has uh, the land close to it. Let me look for another spot like it, like this one right here. See how the, the creek makes a big swing and then swings right past that, the side of that point, right on that steep side, anywhere around that turn or anything where like that, I'm going to throw a jerk bait. I'm going to throw a jig. And I'm going to try to figure out how deep they are. Once you, once you find that depth, that's, that's where the fish are going to be. Uh, small ponds, they like to get out in the deepest spot of the small pond. And you want to throw way out in that deep, deep spot. And what I would do, because typically in small ponds, that deep spot has got a lot of silt and a lot of mud on it. And the bass aren't going to be all the way down. They'll be close to the bottom. I mean, literally close to the bottom, but they won't be in that mud. And you don't want your bait to sink down in the mud because the fish won't be able to find it. Throw a drop shot out there, something that the weight will go into the mud, but the bait will stay up above it or spinner bait, slow rolled, anything out into the, into the deepest water. So um, how do I set up my Navionic shading to help with, hold on a second. All right, Will says, how do I show, set up my Navionic shading? Usually what I do, it all depends on the conditions, um, but I like to see 20 feet being the the uh the deeper water starting the deeper water and gets into to uh, you know lighter and lighter as you go deeper but i always put about 10 5 to 10 feet as the darkest colors and then the deeper waters are really light and like i said it just depends on the lake if it's a shallow lake or a deep lake but that's typically how i how i set it up so all right now um a couple of quick places is bridges let me find, where's the Little River Bridge? All right, so bridges. And the reason I say bridges is because the bridges have a ton of rock on steep bank is kind of what you're looking for. And if you have a lake that doesn't have a lot of rock, that's where the bass, that's a good place to go find bass in the wintertime is they'll be right along these steeper banks and there's a lot of riprap along bridges and that riprap warms up in the sun and they'll get up against that riprap. And then if it's, they'll either be out right on the outside edge of it or right up against it. And I usually throw a crankbait or something like that on there. But if you have a lake that has a lot of rock or a lot of rocky bank, just grab a crankbait and find those 45 degree banks. Cause a lot of times that's what these, um, these riprap banks are about 45 degrees. Find those 45 degree banks and parallel them beating a, a square bill or whatever crankbait a rock crawler or whatever up against those rocks. Um, and last but not least, if you this is what happened this last year, we had a record-breaking rainfall uh, this winter, and this this past winter, here in Georgia, and all of the lakes were busting out of their banks. And uh, David Fields, man, thanks for the twenty bucks, brother. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see, he wants some of my waypoints. He actually, this is his home lake. This one right here, we're showing. Um, but anyway, so we are uh, the uh, when it floods. You got a lot of fresh water coming in there. A lot of times that water's a little bit warmer and the bass get super shallow. But then again, I'm still looking for that hard cover. I'm looking for shallow rock. 
I'm looking for shallow wood and I'm looking for shallow bank and all the bank is shallow anyway, but I'm looking for those places that are near where they would be in the wintertime, but they tend to push up shallow and look for that, that new food that's coming into the, into the water from the flooding. It was amazing how shallow the fish were this past winter, but, uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. So any questions, let's see if, any, if I missed any questions as I was running off at the mouth. Um, let's see. What blade bait do I like? I cannot remember the name of it. Oh, I can describe it. I mean, it's not your, it's a typical blade bait, but it's a little bit longer and it's got four holes on the top instead of three. Most have three. This one has four and they sell them on Tackle Warehouse and I can't remember the name of them. Oh, I haven't pulled them out in a while. I've got a bunch of them on the peg in my barn. Was not ready for that question. Um, so anyway, so let me go ahead and close this thing out. There it is. And we'll get to some Q&A real quick. If this is your first time joining me for any of my lives or seeing any of my videos, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you haven't hit the bell for notifications, do that. But uh, this is kind of stuff I want to do for Friday Night Live. And I finally found an easy website to be able to do it. Very simple, very dumbed down for dumb people like me. So, uh, Grant Henderson, how are you, man? I haven't heard from you in a long time, brother. What's the best bait for late fall? Uh-oh, I just lost that. There it is. What's the best bait for late fall fishing in cloudy, windy days? Um, typically, I'm going to use whatever moving bait I'm typically using. If it's a, if it's cloudy, windy days, I love a lipless crankbait. I love a spinner bait. I love a chatterbait. Those are the three that I'm going to use during that period of time. Um, any kind of a moving bait, I may darken it up a little bit or go with like white blades instead of chrome blades, but that's getting really, really detailed. I don't think most of the time it makes a difference. Uh, it, it has more to do with confidence for me with that, but, uh, but yeah, chrome blades would be just good. If it's murky water, I'd darken up my bait just a little bit. That's about it. Oh goodness. Why am I yawning? I got plenty of sleep today. Um, I don't know about any fishing in, in Nashville, um, swampland, man. I, I don't, uh, Chad Hoover lives just outside of Nashville. He'd be able to tell you uh opinion on vertical fishing during winter i love it i always have a, a jigging or a jigging spoon tied on once the water gets super cold um depth usually depends on where the bait fish are holding it, I, what i do is i'll scan the whole area and i'll find where the average depth of the bait fish is and usually it's only within about 10 feet and i'll fish that uh, that depth and i'll just try to bounce it off the bottom all over the place on that depth mainly points maybe a hump if you see a hump out in the middle of the lake, but mainly points are along the outside uh, bend of creek channels. It's kind of the kind of stuff I'm looking for. So is there a winter temp you won't touch the, uh, touch the kayak? Oh, hold on. Let me click on that so it doesn't go away. Uh, is there a winter temperature you won't touch the kayak once it reaches or tips for cold water kayak fishing? I actually am going to do a cold water kayak fishing video this winter. Um, NRS, you guys see the little NRS deal behind me. I'm, I'm sponsored by NRS, but they make some, and the reason I love them so much is not because they sponsor me. It's because they actually make some really good anti-exposure gear. Um, and so I'm going to show you how to get the gear, um, or how to find the gear, not just NRS stuff, but wherever, but find the gear where it is safe in the winter time, because it is, it, you can die really, really quickly, uh, if you fall out of a kayak in the winter. So, um, 
it has more to do with your clothing than anything. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I'll, I'll run through it real quick is you want to have clothing that's not going to absorb water. You don't want to have clothing that's not going to fill up with water. Uh, basically a dry suit, but they make a, my, why can't I remember the name of it? Man. Um, but anyway, they make some clothing that's a, a pair of bibs that have a real tight waistband and a pair and a jacket that goes over top of that that has a real tight waistband and it creates a water seal and it prevents the water from getting in there. Your hunting clothes are not going to work. They're going to become anchors. Uh, you just really have to be careful. So yeah, dude, within the next few weeks, I'm going to do a video about that. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. I just saw a comment about a two-year-old. I just lost it. Why is it doing that to me? Uh, Binsky blade. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's the Binsky blade was the blade bait that I was talking about. It has four holes. Named after some guy named Binsky, I believe, I guess. Um, let's see. Adrian Warfield's, are you done fishing, uh, coaching high school? I, I guess the season's over because Rome, our Rome, Rome High School's uh, playing in the playoffs tonight. So uh, they win state championships like, uh, like there's no tomorrow. So is muddy fishing in, in midday? Is midday fishing good in water temps? Yes. And that reminds me, there's something I forgot to talk about. I don't know what it is, but about once every other year in January, we have a 10-day span where or eight to 10 days where it just gets really, really warm, like unseasonably warm. Dude, go to the rock as fast as you can if that happens. Um, I've caught more giant fish doing that in the wintertime. Just keep an eye out for that. If the water, if the weather starts to get really warm and it stays warm for a number of the days, those bass rush to the rock and they hang out on it, man, especially riprap. So who just gave me 20 bucks? Sean Lay. Oh, appreciate it, man. Howdy, Gene. Hope your hunt went well last week. Do you think deep cranking is effective from the bank? No, it's very difficult because you get hung up about one, one out of every 10 cast. Or is it more effective hitting the points and drop-offs? Been trying to slow to slow jig a lipless, but thinking of throwing a 10XD. I would be very careful. I don't know what your what your bottom the bottom of your lake looks like. If you have any trees and stuff like that, try not to do that. But if it's just like bare bank and bare points and stuff like that, yeah, dude, you can definitely do that. Man, thanks for the twenty bucks too. Um, the hunt went well. John David shot his first deer. Uh, it was a little spike. I actually thought it was a doe, and I didn't because a bunch of deer came into the field at the same time, and I lost track of the doe. And I ended up he ended up shooting a year and a half old spike, which is fine with me for a first deer. I mean, he, he perfect shot. Couldn't have asked him deer only ran just a few yards and that was it, man. It was awesome. So, uh, FRG, thanks for the 10 bucks, man. He says, Gene, why am I catching walleye perch and white bass, but no largemouth? Cause they move shallow, really shallow when the water gets colder. They love water, colder water than, uh, than bass do. Um, right now the bass should be in your area, should be around the rock. Um, but yeah, man, eat those walleye. They taste great. Let's see. Want to get my first bait caster thinking six speed leaning towards Daiwa Fuego. Get a seven, uh, a seven, three to one, seven, two to one anywhere. But to get a seven speed, don't get a six. Um, seven is a lot more versatile. You can speed up and you can slow down and you'll be just fine. Um, 
Let's see. I haven't had a Dio Fuego in about 12 years. I loved them. They were really expensive. But uh, but yeah, man, you guys that are donating money are that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, let's see. But yeah, definitely, definitely get a seven three to one. As for the brand name, I'm sponsored by 13. I can tell you what the best brand bet my favorite model for 13 is, which is a concept A, but I'm not sure about the Daiwas and the Shimanos. So um I live in western North Carolina. I'm thinking, I guess that's what it means. Uh, with deep, clear, rocky lakes, what bait would you use this time of year? Or crankbait. I would slowly crank a crankbait and beat every rocky point up that I possibly could in every steep bank, around every boat dock, everything. I I literally would throw a crankbait. Watch Alex Rudd's videos about cranking because he fishes over in the western eastern part of Tennessee, up in those mountain lakes, and he he's probably the best Highland Reservoir angler that I know. So uh after the last video you made about spoon i can't find any what name brands and sizes you prefer yeah just about any spoon will work um the one i was using was uh the uh worldwide spoon and it's really wide and it has a really wide wobble and it falls away from you it's designed to fall away from you as it's falling <coughs> it helps keep the bait in the strike zone longer but uh really to be honest with you i would uh you can go with the Strike King Flutter Spoon. Those I've caught tons of fish on them. Um, uh, Six Cents makes one that's medium size that's really wide. There's a bunch of different ones. So, um, Law One. Oh, I keep forgetting to show them, don't I? Gummit, sorry about that. How would a bank fisher um, in high percentage spots in find uh, high per percentage spots? in a river like the Chicago river with high co uh, concrete banks. I've never been in the Chicago river. My guess, anywhere you can find a current break, they're going to be back on the backside of a current break. So if they got wing dams or anything like that, just slide around the outside that the outside of that bank or that wing dam and just fish those, the, the, the slack water that's behind them. Um, Let's see. Franklin Davila says, uh, what do you prefer, floral braid on a spinning rod? You know, funny story. I had a buddy of mine. Um, took him two and a half, maybe even three years to convince me to go to braided main, main line with a fluorocarbon leader with a spinning rod. I used to think that it was like sacrilegious. And the day that when I started going braid and it's, I stopped getting the twists and stopped getting all of the issues or almost stop getting all of the issues you get with a spinning rod. Um, it was amazing. So braided mainline to a fluorocarbon leader, you can change out between, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 pound test fluorocarbon. And I use 20 pound braid uh, on my mainline and then just tie an FG knot to, to connect them. It's not an easy knot. It's a hard one, but I got a video and there's a bunch of videos on there about how to, uh, on YouTube about how to tie one. The FG knot is where it is, man. So uh let's see all right let me see if i can get caught up all right can you tell us about the winter pocket and cove bite on uh blueback lakes yes i can hold on a second let me pull pull my navionics back up i just closed it down give me just a second i'll pull that up 
right, so let's go to a blueback herring lake. Let's go to Clark's Hill. I fished 15 years on Clark's Hill Lake, so I know a ton about it. But I'll find a, let's go up to, which creek do I want to go to? Bridge. Oh, I went the wrong way. Tell I haven't been there in a while. All right, so let's go up to this creek right here. All right, so a ditch. And we call it the ditch bite. And literally get yourself an underspin and a blade bait. And you go down the center of these ditches. And I'm going to pull one a little bit closer. You got a big, huge bay right here. And then you've got these ditches that come out. I hope you guys can see the arrow. Come out here and come out here and come out here. And I'm, I'm going to start in about 10 foot of water, like way up here. And then I'm going to I'm going to fish all the way out until I start to catch fish. And once I catch fish and find that depth and what I'm doing is I'm yo-yoing, come letting it fall down to the bottom, popping it off the bottom. You can use, use a spoon doing this. It's the same. It's the same thing. Pop it off the bottom. Let it flutter back down. Pop it off. You just keep doing that and work your way out until you find the depth of fish you're holding at. And it will be that way all over the lake. You pull into a pocket. If you see bait fish in the area, fish the ditch. You know, and another thing, and I, this is a Cherokee Creek, I believe. Um, go down the creek channel. Come all the way up here to the back end of, of the creek. Start in about 10 foot of water. And work your way out. All the way out. And, and you'll find them. Definitely. If it's a spotted bass lake, the bass will, spotted bass will be suspended off the bottom. They're a lot easier to see on your fish hider. Largemouth won't. They'll be down on the bottom. So, hope that answered your question. Right now, let's find another question. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do two things at one time. Gene, should I expect to find bass in a river about three quarters of a mile off the main lake, Falls Lake, North Carolina? Um, they're really gonna. It depends on the water temperature, really. But I think that they'll pull off into pockets and stuff off of the river. If I if I had to guess. I'm not a really good river fisherman, so don't take my word for it. But I can make an educated guess and say they're going to be in that slack water that warms up faster. By the way, go dogs. Um, all right. Trying to find another. There we go. Uh, let's see. T. Hughes says, won't a uni, to uni, not, won't a uni not work as well for floor break? It will work. I just, I have tested and tested and tested and had buddies that tested knots and everything else. The FG knot is one of those that just completely protects the fluorocarbon from getting beat up on your guides and you won't, you, it, it will last a lot longer. I'm talking not just hours, but days. And so, and it's also a lot stronger. We've tested, we've had a break test done on these knots and the FG knot was better than a uni uni. Now a uni knot will work. It's just not going to come through the guides as easy. And it's uh, and it's not going to last as long, but it will work. Uh, let's see. Jared York says Texas A and M tomorrow. What is your prediction? I'm going uh, to the SEC championship camp. Oh, Jared, you got an extra ticket? <laughs> I really would love to go to the SEC championship game. Um, but anyway, so let me think. My prediction tomorrow would be Georgia by two touchdowns, 20 by, by uh, 14 points. 
So I don't, I didn't really look hard to see what the score, what, what I think the score is going to be. I haven't even thought about it. So, um, let's see. I just saw something about brush piles and it disappeared. Oh, there it is. Uh, what about brush piles like on Lake Greenwood? Um, I mean, that's if they're at the depth that the bass are holding at, they're going to hold in the brush piles. That brush piles, um, it's just like a deer stand, really. You, they're sitting there waiting for the bait fish to swim by is all they're doing. So, yeah, brush piles would work great on the, but if they had to be on the right type of structure, like those steeper banks or those points with steeper sides. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. uh brandon yeah the alberto knot works that's what i used before i found the fg knot so the alberto is a great knot um it's also known as the unmodified albright knot same knot um ah that's a good one adrian warfield says how important is the creek channel in winter fishing and do you typically throw against the channel or with it it is so important um a lot of times especially in those coldest coldest water temperatures the bass are going to hang out where the where the bait fish are more likely to swim by and creek channels and river channels whether we can see it or tell it or not are going to have more current than any other part of the lake in, in that area so they're going to have more current running down that creek channel um and typically they'll sit on the outside bend of a creek channel um i got one pulled up right here let's uh, share that screen again so they're going to be on the outside bend of a creek channel. So you've got a bend here. There's a really good one right here. It's actually got boat docks. But uh, outside bend of the creek channel, anywhere that be creek channel swings close to the bank, um, even out into deeper water, if you've got a nice channel swing, let me find one. Like right here, this is a really good spot. Um, you got this channel that swings right up against a point, uh, that type of deal. Um, but yeah, that's where the bait travels back and forth and up and down. So definitely, uh, is, uh, is where uh, some of the places you want to look. So let's see. Oh, I'm going to share this one. Tony, what are you doing, man? He says, he spelled my name wrong, but that's okay. Sad news last week. I hooked the back of my head with a Chapo 110. <laughs> man, I had somebody hit me in the back of the head with a spinnerbait once and straighten the hook out. So I know how that feels. It's not good, man. It just about knocked me out. Um, let's see. What do I think of Tactical Bassin's new cold water crankbait? I have not seen it. I don't know. I haven't even looked. I've been so busy with hunting and spending time with my kids. And now they're out of school this week, and I'm really going to spend a lot of time with them. But uh, anyway, um, let's see. When fishing for bass in the cold temperatures, does it matter what time of the day you choose to fish? Typically, for me, I, I have more confidence in the afternoon because the water, the shallower waters had a chance to warm up. But man, I'm one of those guys that if it ain't, if the line ain't wet, I ain't, I'm not catching fish. So I'm going to get there as early as I can. I'm going to fish as late as I can. And I'm going to try to 
adjust for whatever the fish are doing to be honest with you so i'm not i'm not too picky up about it but i mean if you you have to pick the times of the day the afternoon on a good sunny day is always good first time hitting gunnersville for th my 30th birthday next month I only have six to eight hours to fish Ooh, where would i focus I would actually focus on South Saudi along that bridge, really, uh, along the riprap that's on that bridge, uh, inside or outside, crank it. If I only had six to eight hours, I'd look at riprap and bridges. But that South Saudi bridge is dynamite for me. Man, it's so hard. This, my, my, uh, my comments keep skipping and I literally it's every time I touch it, they skip and I lose what, what I'm trying to pull up. So give, just give me a second to fight with it. Uh, <laughs> Grant says, I see deer sausage and snack, snack sticks in your future. Not with this one, man. It's going, it went straight to burger. So, but uh, Jordan, actually, I won't, uh, next Friday, I won't have a Friday night live either, either. Cause he drew for the second uh, hunt of that on that WMA. So, we're going to go Friday, Saturday, and Sunday um, to the same place, actually hunt out of the same stand and uh, and see if he can't kill one. We saw like 28 deer a day, and, uh, and it's a wildlife management area. It's pretty cool. Um, I have a, a boat question. Do you use the same type of batteries for your trolling motor as your outboard? No. Uh, is one type better than others for holding uh, charge? I use a, a dual purpose cranking battery for my, for my um, electronics and my, uh, my, my motor. And I use deep cycle batteries for my trolling motor because they're going to be losing charge and gaining charge a lot. And they, you want to get the best one that you can so you can, uh, so it can withstand being drained down and charged back up, drained down, charged back, back up hundreds of times. So David Fields, give me another five bucks. What you doing, man? What did it say? Uh, we aren't there man size on the webs. Um, oh, we aren't there man sizes on the website. Do I? Am I missing the three X and the four X? I'll see if I can get you one, David. Let me. I'll have to uh, work through Scott to do that. So, in wintertime, do you prefer riprap banks or offshore rock piles? Riprap banks is what I prefer, unless they're shallow, shallow rock piles. But yeah. Do I think glide baits work this time of year? I've had some success on big baits with not many. Um, that's one of the things um, in my video about um, early winter uh, baits. That's one of the things I'm going to be fishing hard this winter is big swim baits, glide baits, bull shads, that kind of stuff, just to see if what everybody talks about is really true. I might even throw an A-rig or two, but I'm not a fan of the A-rig. So... Uh, It's a good question, Brandon. Really good question. He says, I understand some bass go deep in the winter, but some stay shallow. How shallow and what would you focus on? Literally what I would focus on, I mentioned this in the early in the video um, when I was looking at the lake map, but I literally would go um, logs that have half the log or part of the log out of the water that the sun is shining on. Those things warm up like, like a, a, a heat lamp, dude. It's seriously 
the bass will suck to it. So shallow logs that are out of the halfway out of the water, rocks, um, and rocky, rock the the steep side of rocky points. And I would crank somewhere between um, if I'm cranking like rocky banks and rocky points. I'd I'd start at about eight feet and go to twelve feet. Is is usually about where I'm gonna I'm gonna catch them. Jerk bait works good during that time of the year. And uh, crankbait, slowly, slowly cranked crankbait, but a jerkbait and a crankbait is what I'd be throwing. So, um, see, have you ever considered doing a raffle or something like it where prizes come fishing with you? Actually, I have, and I, I still owe the guys a, a fishing trip. He's down in Florida. Uh, sometime later this winter, we're going to probably in January, February, I'm going to go down and fish with him. So I do that once, maybe twice a year. Um, what WMA have I been hunting? It's actually called um, Buck Shoals. It's for, for uh, youth only. So it's a youth only wildlife management area and uh, they manage it to be able, so the kids can just come and shoot them. So it's a lot of fun, man. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. I'll have to go look at that. Uh, let's see. If the water is super clear, are the bass going to generally hold deeper? Why did it just disappear on me? Uh, hold deeper and more shallow if stained. If so, why? Yeah, it's going to be a water clarity thing. Uh, wherever they're comfortable, and typically in the clearer waters, they're more comfortable deeper than they are in the in the muddier waters. Now, if I get muddy uh, water in the wintertime, I go home. I don't fish muddy, cold water. That's the worst conditions you can possibly fish in bass fishing. So I just pack up and go to the house or go try to find a different lake. It's, it's not easy. So... Grant says, I remember Jordan shot his first two seasons ago. So awesome to have the time to stand. Yeah, it is. And it was actually three seasons ago. You're getting old, Grant. Um, <laughs> let's see. Chad Meyer says, I'm getting my first boat, a 2020 Lund uh, 1775 Adventure. Do you suggest a particular Minn Kota trolling motor uh, to start? Obviously, would love an iPilot version, but don't need anything crazy expensive. Get one you can afford. Um, get a. I would get a 24 volt. Seriously, if I'm if well, that's a 17 foot boat. You can get by with a 12 uh, with a 12 volt. Uh, 50 pound thrust would be the smallest I got for that boat. So so for instance, when I first signed on with Alumacraft, one of the first things I said was start making a 70 pound thrust trolling motor standard for your 19 foot aluminum boats. Um, back in the day, uh, I know when I, I, my first aluminum boat had a 45 pound thrust trolling motor on a 19 foot boat and, and Bass Tracker was doing the same thing. Their longer boats still had 45 pound thrust trolling motors and no wonder they were hard to control in the wind. You didn't have enough power behind that trolling motor. So that's one of the first things we used to do is take those motors off and put bigger ones on. But a 17 foot, 17 and a half foot boat, you should be just fine with a 40 or with a 50 pound thrust trolling motor and go with a 12 bolt, but get a, get a big battery. Uh, Ed, man, thanks for the five bucks. What does it say? It says, how would you crappy fish in a small lake this time of year in middle Georgia? Thanks for your videos. 
Whew. My favorite way to crappy fish this time of the year in small lakes is literally is to throw a, a little um, Charlie Brewer crappy grub on a jig head and just slow crank it on the bottom and just just off of the bottom. You can even, probably even catch them with a Ned rig, but that's what I would do. And then they get in really tight schools this time of the year, too. So if you find them, they're going to all be in the same spot. Uh, Grant, yeah, that's funny. Um, let me think. What's the best area for winter drop shot techniques? My favorite places are in those ditches in the middle of the pockets, but I'll use it anywhere. Drop shot is excellent in the wintertime. Um, long bluff walls, along steep banks, anywhere you that you need to get down deeper in that 12 to 25 to 30 foot range. Let's see, the 10 horse Monty says, how do you decide between a flutter spoon, jigging spoon and silver buddy? What is your setup for that type of fishing? I really, it just depends on what I want to throw. Those three are fish so similar um, that um, I'll give you, for instance, that flutter spoon video. I was, I was testing some, uh, some new equipment for, uh, for 13 and I, I went out in the middle of the lake and I was, I was just basically just doing my thing out there. But as I was heading out towards the middle of the lake, I went over this flat that was between 18 and 20 feet deep. It's kind of long tapering uh, flat uh, area. And I kept seeing an arch and then I would see another arch and then I'd see two more arches and I'd see another arch as I'm getting deeper, but they're still there and they're real close to the bottom. And I'd see another fish and another fish and they were good sized. I was having a return with three colors, which tells me that that's, you know, a good sized fish. And said, man, those have got to be bass. And there's got to be a lot more than what I'm seeing on the fish finder. And so I marked it, went on out in the middle of the lake, did my testing, turned around, came back, grabbed. I had a flutter spoon sitting on the on the deck of the boat. And um, I had been fishing uh, at Lake Altoona the day before. And I was vertically jigging that flutter spoon, which is not what it was designed for. But literally my first cast, I let it. I cast it out and I was in about 22 feet of water. I threw in about 15, let it sink to the bottom, popped it once and got bit. Did the same thing, popped it once, got bit. And I, I caught three fish and three cast right away. And um, and it's just because I had it tied on. Had I had I had my box with the silver buddies and and the jigging spoons, the jigging spoons easy. If I'm if I see them under the boat as I'm as I'm trolling motoring around, I'll drop it down on them. But uh, a silver buddy and a flutter spoon are too similar. And if I wasn't getting bit with that flutter spoon, I'm going to grab a silver buddy or a blade bait. And, uh, you know, they used to be called gay blades. It's kind of crazy. But anyway, um, I'd let it sink to the bottom and I'd bring it back. It just all depended. And I probably could have caught one on it. So uh, how would my setup be? Uh, it's typically it's a medium, heavy, moderate rod. Uh, so I have plenty of give cause it's real easy to lose fish on this thing. So I want to be able to have the rod play, give and give and take as the fish is fighting. So a medium, heavy, moderate, uh, fast action reel too, or fast speed reel. Uh, any tips for post cold front conditions in South Florida? Can't seem to find any pattern. Woo. 
Um, Florida bass don't like cold fronts in the wintertime. The best thing I can tell you to do is to go to the thickest cover that you can find, uh, punch through it. And it's typically like uh, hyacinth. If you can find a patch of hyacinth, uh, the hyacinth, in the, it'll be sunny. The bass will get up underneath there. But you've got to soak that bait. Punch it down there. Bring it up to the bottom of that hyacinth and just sit there and shake it and shake it and shake it and eat a sandwich and shake it. And a, the bass gets so funky on, after cold fronts in Florida. Another thing is a Cinco pit, a pitched around cover. But you've got to have to fish really slow. They, they're just a different kind of bass. They react differently to different uh, to weather changes. So looking at deeper sonar, ever used it? I have, uh, to be honest with you, I love the, the different options that they have. But to me, do I not have it anymore? I think I took it off my desk. So the deeper sonar is more like a video game. It looks like a video game on the um, on the image. And I want if if I was going to get use a castable sonar for my first fish finder, I'd want one that looks like a bigger. It, it would look if it was a bigger fish finder. That way, when I switch to like a Lawrence or a Hummingbird or a Ray Marine or something bigger, when I get a boat or a kayak, then I already know what I'm looking at. I don't have to relearn all that crap. And so a deeper is great, but it, it's like your image is not like a real fish finder. The only one that I've found that's like a real fish finder is the sonar phone, which is like a third of the price of a deep, deeper or half the price. Anyway, it's cheaper. Uh, sonar phone, which is, is the same deal. You throw it out, you look at your phone, but it looks like the image on a Lawrence or a Hummingbird or a, you know, or a Raymarine. So that's my opinion. Uh, let's see. Ah, that's a great question, Bryce. Um, sorry. I'm sorry that you're a Falcons fan though. Mm, sorry. They suck this year, man. I'm glad I'm not an NFL fan, but anyway, of course, Georgia lost to South Carolina. What am I talking about? Uh, what are the best small pond baits for wintertime fishing? For me, it's a literally, I'm going to be kind of off the ball, all, you know, kind of weird. I like worm fishing in the wintertime, really, really slow. I try to think about what bait is in that water and where what the bait is doing. If I'm not using something that looks like a bluegill, I'm going to use something that looks like a worm um, and just drag it really, really slow. A jig will work too if it's a hard bottom, but typically small ponds don't have hard bottoms. So um, another good one is actually a short leader drop shot with a little minnow bait on it, like a zoom, uh, tiny fluke or something like that. Uh, it looks like a little, little bitty bait fish. Uh, it's kind of important to match the hatch in the wintertime in small ponds. So look, get a little jerk bait that looks like a bluegill or maybe a slow roll, a spinner bait, that kind of stuff. But, uh, typically for me, it's a worm, maybe a drop shot and, and some type of a moving bait. All right, we're going to do this for about nine more minutes. I'm starting to lose my voice. Um, let's see. Good question. Perfect rod for my almost nine-year-old obsessed with bass fishing. What I always advise is stay away from the push-button rods uh, or reels, uh, mainly because they have the same problems that a spinning rod has you just can't see those problems happening. So it gets to be more and more of a frustration to the kid because he keeps having more and more problems with that reel. 
So I always say, get, get your kid. My kids started with a spinning rod when they were four and five years old, teach them how to throw a spinning rod um, and get them one. That's about, you know, six foot, six foot two and teach them how to fish it, man. It's, it's spinning rods. Great. Put some braided line on there, tie the leader on for them, whatever. But man, my kids love fishing a, a spinning rod. So I like a medium to a medium heavy spinning rod would be what I'd get him. And then as soon as you think he's ready, teach him how to cast a bait caster. So yeah, Joe, you're late. Sorry, man. I'll answer your question though. All right. Hopefully I get my question in here in Florida, Harris chain. We have a made, have major hydrilla and grass issues. What bait do you recommend uh, to combat that? To be honest, I would fish the outside edge of that hydrilla and I'd fish like a, a chatterbait, really. Um, and a swim bait, a little small paddle tail swim bait, that kind of stuff. So I, I Harris chain is not my favorite chain of lakes to fish in Florida. Um, but uh, definitely, if you've got hydrilla, they're going to be in it. And uh, and I fish, I parallel the outside edge this time of the year. Maybe even a crankbait would work if you don't have grass that's outside of that outside edge. So, uh, Grant, look at that. Grant's been catching uh, brown trout with three and four inch weightless Cinco's wacky rig. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, I was going to answer a question and disappeared. There it is. Uh, what is your go to lure on stained water ranging from 48 to 51 degrees? Whew. Uh, Hit miss with a lipless crank. That's what I was going to say. A lipless. Uh, there didn't seem to be much consistency with the temperature drop. For me, it's more or less what the what kind of the mood the bass are in. So what I would have done with that lipless is I would have let it sink to the bottom and I would just had done what I call a lift and drop where I just lift the rod real slow and let it fall without dropping the rod back down and let the bait drop. Lift the rod and let the bait drop. So what the bait's doing is it's is you lift it, it comes up, and then when it drops, it drops just like this. So it comes up and it drops like that, and it does it all over again. And uh, and for some reason, I can get a lot of bite, especially in murky water with that. Make sure it's got plenty of rattles. Um, that's typically where exactly what I would go to, or a big Colorado bladed spin, a uh, half ounce to three quarter ounce swim a uh, spinner bait. Let it sink to the bottom and slowly roll it back to the boat, trying to keep it, you know five or 10 turns and then stop and let it sink back to the bottom and five or 10 turns and let it sink back to the bottom. So what depth finder do you recommend for a 12 foot kayak? And do you like side scan? I love side scan. Um, but I recommend uh, if you're on a budget, um, the, uh, the dragonflies, the Raymarine dragonflies are really good. I, I got the very first dragonfly fly that ever came out way back in the day. And I love those things. Um, down imaging is more important than side imaging. Um, but yeah, absolutely love it. So Nick Barrett, thanks for the $5 Canadian, man. He says, uh, best use for black omen two, six foot seven, medium heavy bait caster, spinner baits, uh, spinner baits, maybe even skipping jigs, a six foot seven. Um, skipping jigs under docks would be something I'd do with it too. But, uh, my first thought was spinner baits and a buzz bait and, uh, and a swim jig. That's be, that'd be what I fished with it. So, 
What's the length and the girth of your PV bass? I have no clue, man. I did not measure it. Not at all. I was in a photo shoot and we were worried about getting pictures of it. Uh... All right, last question. You only get to take one setup. What is the rod reel and line you are taking? What lure and lure color are you taking? Whew. If I only get one setup, I'm assuming it means winter time. If I only get one setup, I'm taking a seven foot four or seven foot three medium heavy bait caster, uh, 15 to 17 pound Seaguar uh, Abrazex fluorocarbon. The whole line, main line, the whole nine yards. Um, the lures I'm going to have are a a jig, a light wired football jig, half ounce. I'm going to have, uh, and it's going to be brown or it's going to be brown or it's going to be maybe brown um, or green pumpkin. <laughs> It'll have a little green pumpkin in it. A, uh, a jigging spoon can be fished on that same rod, chrome and a blade bait and that's it so here's a really good all right another good question sorry fat fat sec fat sec fat sec whatever you say anyway is the advantage of a bait caster the amount of cast you can throw compared to a spinnerbait it's two things it's accuracy and it's the number of casts you can make um accuracy is a huge thing i and i know you can be accurate with a spinning rod but you can you can be a lot more accurate with your bait caster because you can feather your line and slow it down and stop it when it needs to be stopped. And it's really hard to do that with a bait caster because it takes both hands. So yeah, that's the dip. That's the difference. You catch more fish with bait casters, but spinner rods have their, have their place now uh, for light techniques with light line. You can't beat how a spinning rod handles fish on light line. So, all right, guys, it's been great. I'm going to jump off here. I'm literally losing my voice. My throat is starting to hurt. And, uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you enjoyed me diving into uh, the lake maps and stuff like that. Be sure to go to flukemaster.com. Check check out all the cool uh, the cool stuff we got going on. We got stickers now. We have patches. We have hats. We have shirts. We have hoodies. Um, we have cups and mugs. Um, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, dude, go check it out. Uh, get you something for Christmas. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, be sure you subscribe. But we're going to do something similar next week. I don't know what it's going to be. Or in two weeks, this next week, I'm going on a quota hunt with my son. So I won't be here again. But uh, I hope you enjoyed it, man. I hope you learned something from the map study. Um, but like I always say, be sure to introduce somebody to fishing. Introduce them to my channel. Let me help you teach them how to fish. More importantly, get out on the water. Go ahead and catch some fish and have a great day. We'll see you.